The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. There are two sides to the broadcast industry, content creators and money makers. This podcast is for that second group, sellers, buyers, managers, anyone with an interest in business. You're all welcome here. This is Seller to Seller. Now, here's your host, Jeff Caves. Don Rickers, been in the radio and advertising game longer than me, started at KZFM Radio on AM in Corpus Christi, Texas in sales in 1984. He eventually moved out west where I was to Boise, Idaho, where he helped start up an FM and then transitioned into running an ad agency. Don handled local clients and then one real big local client, Taco Bell. They had 51 stores at their peak in Idaho, Oregon, and Utah. And Don handled sponsorship deals that included renaming the Boise State Basketball Arena to Taco Bell Arena from 2004 to 2019. Don still works with some local clients in the Boise area, also works with a dental practice. And he joins me here from Idaho. You know, I was thinking back about all the stuff you did with Taco Bell. Here you are managing 51 stores and you had to work with corporate Taco Bell for a lot of things. How did those two things work with how you, what you guys wanted to do and what Taco Bell wanted you to do? Well, originally uh, with, before the sponsorship it was pretty cut and dry. You had a percentage of uh, sales for marketing and you had to run the, uh, the buys past them. And then you had to do a post buy and be within certain limits and, and they would audit that and stuff like that. That's how that would work. Mm -hmm. And then the creative was basically handed down. And if you, if you guys wanted to launch a a local initiative, what, what, what could be done there? I'm sure a lot of guys listening is like, Hey, how could I ever get a Taco Bell to do something different than what corporate's doing? Well, nowadays that's completely different because there's no, uh, local money, uh, uh, with sales, at least last when I was working with them. Mm-hmm. So it'd be all, uh, through the local, uh, franchisee, uh, to get that going. But how we would do it is, is, uh, we'd tie in with a radio station. I'd buy a 60 second spot and, and then, uh, use 30 seconds to promote whatever we decided we wanted to promote and how we wanted to promote it and tie-ins and, and uh, additional opportunities that were out there for us. Right. So essentially you piggybacked ads with 30 seconds yep. being the, the corporate Chalupa spot of the month. Yep. And then the 30, if my memory serves me correct, once you, title sponsor at the local basketball arena for the for Boise State University you'd run promotions there perhaps or any other community in ball promotion and and Taco Bell was probably fine with that right they got their 30 oh yeah that that wasn't a problem at all that way and and again it's your post buy they were more interested in is how many points you bought and and all of that kind of stuff so uh yeah and and We'd look at opportunities. I, I like to uh, 
whenever when I was looking totally um, before the the arena aspect, I was looking to be the first person who ever uh, promotion came available that a radio station would call. Hmm. I wanted to have the opportunity to say yes first. Okay. And, so you uh, always listened. In other words, I, I always listened. You always listen. And did and, your and background you know, help you? Did your background help you, Don? Because you, 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 you'd sold that stuff for a while, and did that help you? Oh yeah, no doubt that helped me. I knew what what you could and couldn't do, and and I looked at opportunities. And it depends on the station too. You know, um, it's it's a little bit different nowadays, as you probably are aware, um, with so much corporate radio aspect of it uh compared to when it was locally owned and and uh being part of the 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 owner of the radio station was part of the community he wasn't just a manager hired out of san antonio or cincinnati or wherever mm -hmm. to do it so that helped a lot too yeah and and i, I was you know when you look at some of these campaigns you had an owner in carl nicolason who was committed to all the local markets that you guys were in. So when you visited with him, I mean, he didn't have to spend local dollars, no, right? What, what motivated him? And here he is in 51 stores over three yeah. States still wanting to go over and above. Well, and initially when we started this, we were using the uh, marketing funds that was allotted to us. So when we did that, Financially, it made a, a whole bunch of sense to us because of the return. In fact, uh, it's an interesting story how we decided to do it. You mean you're talking uh, about the title sponsorship of the yeah, arena? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, that was a different deal. Local company, national franchise. And we did have to get approval from Taco Bell for that. Yeah. But we were using some of the national, uh, I don't want to say kickback, but the allotment to us and then they started taking more and more money away so then it became well um his his uh point was we made a commitment we're going to fulfill the commitment mm -hmm. uh, he says we're part of the community this is the way we can do it now we had in utah we had a big sponsorship with utah jazz and and so uh we we had a sponsorship there as well yeah so you mentioned in the post buy analysis that you know you had to talk to the taco bell people about how well you did in your local buys and and you sold it you bought it you know you sold it to national companies the cost per points can be typically well, higher and different than what you get locally and sometimes locally is higher than yeah. how you're ground down nationally so how did it compare with what you were getting? And maybe did they ever divulge to you what they paid through their LA agencies or whatever? Well, they gave us a cost per point that we had to try to achieve. And usually that was locally a lot less than they could do nationally. But then they decided nationally that they could, uh, if, if they took more of the local market money and did a national thing, they could, have a little bit better tie-in. For example, uh, the first thing that came to my mind when it did it was behind uh, home plate and baseball. Mm 
-hmm. you'd see the superimposed Taco Bell logo on there behind the plate. Mm -hmm. So they started looking at ways to do that differently and, and it cost money. So the way to do it was take it from the, the franchisees and, and go from there. Yeah. So when it came to the, the sports marketing, since we're, we're dealing here with people who sell a lot of sports and sports radio specifically, when Taco Bell started getting more into sports marketing, um, some would say at that time you, know, you were abandoning, you're going for young males. Maybe they had other campaigns for young females, uh, but, and then even older males involved in sports marketing as well. That was, was that all part of their strategy or did it just work out that way where they could get the most, I guess, attention for their dollar? Well, the, their primary at the time demo was males 1834. So it was a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so that that's what, and the way this, the way the Taco Bell arena came about in all reality, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a fluke. We were sitting, <laughs> we were sitting there watching, uh, the, a basketball game and I, I, leaned over and I said, Hey, why don't we see if next year the NCAAs are coming here? Why don't we see if we can name for the year, this Taco Bell arena, because it'll have so much national attention and all of that kind of stuff. So we called, uh, Kurt Absey over and I was laughing when I said, yeah, we want to change this to Taco Bell arena and all that kind of stuff. And he blew me off like I was full of it. I said, I just need it for a year while this is going on. And huh. uh, he blew for me off. For a year? You wanted to name the, you wanted to rename what was then known as Pavilion Taco Bell Arena for a year? Yeah, just while the NCAA was here. <laughs> so I, after about three or four months or something like that, I, uh, he said, I said to him, are you ever going to get back to me? He says, are you serious? I said, yeah. He says, well, it can't be for a year. I said, well, let's talk. And that's how it all came about. It was just a fluke. It was like, hey, let's do this. See what we can do. Most they can tell us just no. That's always been my philosophy is if you, if you don't ask, they can't tell you no. And my philosophy was always, if I ask for something, you better give it to me. But if you don't, I can't get mad. Yeah, right. So if you have the opportunity to give it to me, you better give it to me. That's That was my philosophy back then. A little bit different philosophy nowadays than what it used to be, but that's what was my philosophy back then. Yeah, you were in the ad agency business for so long, Don, and after your, your radio sales career, and I know you went back into it briefly for a few uh, but really, your your the majority of your experience was running a smaller local ad agency and then doing everything for those Taco Bell stores. Uh, were the radio reps sort of higher on your list because you knew how to deal with those folks? And did you have to spend more time on other stuff? Or how, how did you distribute that? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think uh, what I tried to do is... Um, try to dangle that carrot in front of them for a, a year by 
and I, we had dates that we're going to run and all that. So I, I could put in, I gave them a budget and stuff. And then I asked for two or three promotions at no charge mm-hmm. for the most time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's amazing when people are hungry out there, how creative they can become. Well, so, yeah, and then I, I'm pretty creative myself, uh, you know, so that's, that's how we did it. Well, dangling 12 months worth of business is not the norm. I would think now, especially as people live at best quarter to quarter uh, and, and back then, and, and it worked back then all of a sudden is no more than three or four years, right? Was it changing towards 2018, 19 in terms of how that all worked? Yeah. Yeah. A, a little bit. Uh, again, I ne- I knew what I was probably going to spend, but I would never put the air by in so I could dangle that again. Hey, yeah, I, ha- I have a little bit of money. And a lot of times people will do this. Hey, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. Hey, I'm, I'm a thousand dollars short of my sales bill this month. What can you do for me? I don't know. What can you do for me? Yeah. What can you do for me? (laughs) So that's, that's how I worked on that. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when you think now about, and you worked, you started in terrestrial radio, which we now term it per se, and you went back to it for a while. You bought a lot of it and now you're no longer involved with it, but uh, you still buy some some advertising for some clients. Do you look at terrestrial radio, you know, spots over the air differently than the streaming and the digital packages or anything else they want to do with it? Or is that pretty much all you're interested in? No, I, I look at the other, but I also look at the audience we're trying to get to. You know, a, a younger demo, uh, streaming and you know, the internet, all that kind of stuff's important. I mean, they don't listen to as much uh, over-the-air music radio as they used to. They're more into that streaming. But then there's the specialty, i.e. sports, marketing, that, that uh, yeah, you can still get it streamed, but... That, that's more of a, you, you know, you look at it and go, mm, I, that could help me mm-hmm. get my message out to the right people. So so you went back into uh, working in radio right around after the Taco Bell um, project ended. And, and you'd also been selling radio 40 years ago. Yeah. Then you're a market manager for a cluster in Twin Falls. And now you see where the business is going. So what, what are your thoughts on all this, Don? You, you've been in this game a long time. Do you see a, a cliff? Do you see something good coming on the horizon? What? I see, for me personally, and I'm an old guy. I'm not, I'm not young like you, Jeff. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I see a lot of confusion out there. There used to be a lot of confusion when we first started because, uh, but there, there was only five or six choices. Now there's 
500 choices mm-hmm. and it's diluted the the uh, opportunity of the message being right there for you so you have to be a little bit more more focused on who you're actually looking for at you know getting back uh, to we chatted before a uh, uh, dealer uh, car dealer mm-hmm. he bought so deep he shotgunned it and everyone and their dog heard him because he was on eight nine stations sure that's all you needed yeah and and now you can't afford to do that because there's not only now there's not eight or nine stations to choose from right there's 25 or 30 plus Plus. internet plus spotify plus pandora all of that stuff Mm -hmm. so now and there's still, as much as I hate to say this, print that for some people that's really important, you know. So I think there's a confusion. I think there's some false expectations that people have about uh, some forms of advertising because it's the the attractive one. It, it's the popular one, even though popular doesn't always mean sales mm-hmm. yeah i i look at it and the concern i have and tell me your thoughts about when there's so many different options we have a tendency to want to be on all of them and then we are basically all things to everybody which means we're nothing we, because we're there's no impact the frequency is so critical to action and learning in intrusive media that that that's where my concern is that I see advertisers spreading themselves too thin and to please clients. You had to have been in that position occasionally. Oh yeah. uh, I have one client that's that way right now. Their budgets are so limited Mm -hmm. that you've got to, you've got to decide what you're going to use that budget for. And you got to be impactful and whatever you do for that budget, you, you can't just do uh, a little bit here and a little bit there. Uh, you know, I, I got 50 spots that I can afford, okay? And I'll, I'll use radio as an example. Well, 50 spread it out over four weeks isn't very much. Mm-mm. However, 50 over a week's pretty impactful. People are going to hear that. You know, again, it comes to uh, the uh, turnover and all that kind of stuff that you have to look at and be aware of and time spent listening and st- time spent viewing and all that kind of stuff. And, and you can mix that up a little bit. You can uh, get an impact uh, specific uh, that gets you your big bang and then you can pick it up frequency um, on a different media to, to make that impactful too. You pretty bullish on the future of salespeople in general, Don? I mean, there's some out there now that are talking about that they, they don't really want to see salespeople. They research things on their own. They'll look at content online and they'll make the, the transaction completely through email and, and other means. Um do you see yourself going this way or do you think others are headed that way? And maybe the sales profession is going to have to radically change. 
I probably hadn't seen a in life real person, but because I didn't want to for five or six years, unless I wanted them. So I I, I think what you have to do is tr uh, in the olden days, first time you called on someone, you didn't talk about radio. You just right. Met. And, and, you know, the, the pandemic, the COVID stuff kind of pushed us away where you weren't seeing anyone. You couldn't see them because you'd die if you went to some. So they stopped <laughs> you from going there, right? Right. And, and now that's kind of the norm. I mean, you just got to be available. You got to keep uh, your name in front of them. Uh, for me, throw me an idea. You know, dangle a carrot in front of me. You know, it, it may be the right carrot at the right time. It may not. So yeah. that's how I looked at it. Well, hey, I hope that we helped a lot of people who've worked with buyers like you throughout the country and, and uh, give them some ideas. And it sounds like that is exactly what still works, isn't it? An idea that's tailored for your client that can make them some money or get them some attention. Yeah, you know, there's there's the theory, uh, and this is first GM I ever worked for in Corpus. By the way, KZFM was a FM station. Whoa! And and uh, the morning guy was a little unknown guy back then called Glenn Beck. So, wow! Yeah, he was the first morning guy I ever worked with. Interesting, huh? But, but he said <clears throat> in advertising, he says, uh, either be the best or the worst, because they're going to remember you that way. <laughs> and and, and I, I thought about it. I, and Jeff, you would remember this Latham Motors. Sure. Remember that guy would go right here, right now. Absolutely. And everyone hated it. But I remembered that. You can find uh, more information about Don. Just search him out on LinkedIn and online. You can review and subscribe to this and pass it along. It's how we grow it. Email me, jeffks54 at gmail.com. Check out barrettsportsmedia.com for weekly sales columns and past pods. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thank you for listening to Seller to Seller with Jeff Caves. Each episode is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and most podcasting platforms. To stay in touch with Jeff, follow him on Twitter at Jeff Caves and read his sales columns on BarrettSportsMedia.com.